My name is Mark. I'm the high school ministries director. Would you stand with me for the reading of uh, the word this morning? We're in the beginning of the gospel of Luke, and we're going to look at um, Zechariah, who's been walking with God a long time, like many of us. And then one of his probably deepest hopes to have a son um, is, is going to come true. But he's incre- is this really going to happen? So this is where we find ourselves in Scripture. <clears throat> Zechariah uh, asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I- I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I- I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now... You will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And so for nine months, Zechariah can't speak and uh, brings us to Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 64. And when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And then we hear his prophetic song in chapter 1, verse 68 through 79. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he said through his holy prophets of long ago, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord and prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. name is Su Jiang. Here's the story of how Jesus broke through into my life. I was a total non-believer for the past 20-some years. I grew up with this belief of no God, um, no religion. I've been a really, I think, a really strong kid growing up. My mom was really poor. I lived in one better apartment with my grandparents and my mom. Um, like she didn't have any money. So growing up, I think I, I have learned that I need to be strong. You know, there are so many obstacles in front of me, but I have to be strong. I, I thought no one is more powerful than myself. No one can save me other than myself. So for the past 20 some years, I, I lived with this no belief until one day Jesus actually 
came in front of my eyes. Because you would expect he appears in front of you in some kind of like mountains, right? Like like to the beach, like when you, when it's like very majestic or you know very powerful place. But no. It was my best friend's birthday party.、Uh, we were at the party. We were.、Um, we just came in. Everybody is dancing. Everybody is having good time. Music playing really, really loud. And there was a project- projector in front of us while we were dancing. And I wasn't even thinking about anything about Jesus, anything about God. I was just trying to have fun.、Um, suddenly, it got really quiet.、Um, And I just started seeing things on project on the projector, and then actually Jesus appeared on the projector, and it got so quiet.、Um, I still can remember he was wearing his white robe, but he was on the cross and he was bleeding.、Um, and I just can't stop crying. He came to me. He told me. He's like. I I saved you so many times. You need to appreciate your life. He didn't force me. He didn't say you need to follow me. It wasn't a really tough time for me, but you know, being away from family, like, and um, being like having you know only my dad here is really tough for me. Like, you know, during holidays I feel lonely, and but at, around that time when I when I feel him, you know, when I saw him, it just kind of like I feel like oh, I'm coming home. You know, like. I feel like he is my family. After that experience, I just I, I told myself I I need to have feel this again. So I need to learn more about him. I decided to you know sing songs together for him,、um, learn more about Jesus, God, Holy Spirit from the Bible. I feel like he's around me all the time. I feel like when I when I need a hug from him, when I need his love, and he just. He just right there, you know, and he, he would t- tell me like, "Don't worry about anything. Like I- I'm here for you. Like all you need is my love." And now I just feel like I want to follow him. I want I want to be be on this journey with him and with everybody. You know, I I love the people from the church. I I think everybody is just my family. It's like it, it feels so warm in my heart. It it feels warm. Last night、uh, at the service, people said, "Wow!" I didn't get too many wows.、Um, so let me ask you: Do you believe, Sue? I mean, really? Do you, do you think that God breaks into people's lives in that way? That 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 He is here? I'll tell you, we, we know. I mean, okay, I'm here at the 11 o'clock service, Lake Avenue Church. We know that the Bible says He does. So I knew you were going to say yes. I already knew that. So because we read it happening, it, it didn't happen to many people, but it would happen at those times when people would go and say, "God is here," and the whole community would come to, to trust. So we know that that happened. And if you read anything about the church in history, 
We know that it's happened there too. In fact, one of the great stories is, is of the famous scientist and mathematician, uh, Blaise Pascal, who had a similar um, experience to Sue. I mean, no projector, no projector, but still that God broke into his life and it changed his life. He, he never forgot it. And some of us, when we've had a chance to travel into other parts of the world, we've heard our brothers and sisters saying, yes, this happens. I've heard it in China, and I've heard it in Cambodia, and I've heard it all across the countries uh, uh, in the continent of Africa. But here we are in Southern California, and it just seems to me sometimes that we in a church like ours seem, we're not going to deny that this happens. But we just don't really think it happens now, and certainly not not here. So here, I, I, your pastor has the audacity to show a video of one of our church people, she was just baptized a few weeks ago, who says that right here in Southern California, in 2015, at a birthday party, with loud music blaring, dancing in front of a projector, that Jesus broke into her life. Do you really believe that? Come on. Do you really believe that? All right. That sounds 23, 24 of you really do. Let me just tell you this. Um, if you really believe this, it has to change every moment of your life. It means that you believe that God isn't just out there, and nor is this just sort of a religious thing that he wants you to check, 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 show up at church, do this. But that actually he is here, and in the midst of our difficult world, he makes a difference. It means if you believe that, that there is no God-forsaken people group in this entire world. That there is no place in this terror-filled, darkness-pervaded world where our omnipotent good God is not. Do you, do you believe that in the light of all that is happening? That changes, that changes the way that we read the news and that changes the way we live our lives. So on the second Advent Sunday, uh, we're going to gather and look at yet another story of someone else who tells us that something happened that was a whole lot like happened to Sue. I mean, he, he, he would have looked a whole lot like, more like me. His name was Zechariah. He was an old priest. He'd been for a long time. And he was married uh, to the daughter of a priest, Elizabeth, which was quite, they viewed that as quite a blessing in his day. He served God near Jerusalem in, in the hill country. He'd been doing it for a long, long time. If you look at uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 7, in spite of all that, and it says he was blameless and all those things, in spite of all that, they had great pain in their lives. And I think many of us here can relate to that too. And, and the pain had come from the fact that Elizabeth um, and, and Zechariah had never been able to have a child. They had longed for that more than anything else in their entire lives. Um, I, I, many of us I, I have, have experienced that. I've prayed for many of you who have felt that same sorrow. But in their society, uh, that was probably the greatest longing of, of, a, of a parent's life. Uh, women often felt that was their only real identity in life was to have a child, uh, their husbands, that's the one thing they wanted their, their wife to have. So you can almost imagine that if you've ever had a deep, deep longing and you've waited and you've worked for it and it never came, you can uh, imagine, I'm sure, the way that they thought, what am I doing wrong? That self-examination. What have I not done? What, could we do? what else could we do? I think you can imagine the way they must have prayed about this. Can't you? And yet, it had never happened. 
And the years had gone by and they'd gotten now to be really old. Um, so as I read it, and I, I think you can feel with this, I, I feel like, first of all, the longing was there and just a certainty God would do it. Then they were always disappointed. And that disappointment always resulted in sorrow. And after the years, the sorrow almost became a matter of despair. When can this happen? And after the years passed, it was resignation. They were faithful to God. I love this about them. The resignation. God's not going to do this. And probably God can't do it. So, on one day, Zechariah had this once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity. That they do lots, and only occasionally did a priest get to go into the temple to offer incense to the Lord. Many, many priests never even had that chance. And one day he was chosen. And I almost imagine um, that, that he was there with that censer with the incense going. And I keep thinking, how did, how did the angel break into his life? Did music start playing? Well, was there a light show? But all the Bible tells us is there in verse 13 of Luke 1. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. I think I would have been terrified. Don't be afraid because your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Now here's what we're going to see today. Just like we saw if you were here last week with the young woman, Mary, that had the same angel visit her, that eventually when it really came home to her, she sang that beautiful song that we saw last week. The same thing happens to this old priest. But he had to go through a time of, of, of silence, as you know. Uh, I remember a West Virginia preacher doing it this way. Uh, Zechariah, when the, when the angel came, said, well, shut my mouth. And so he did. <laughs> So he had to go through this long, long period of time where he had to learn to, uh, that he needed sometimes to learn to walk by faith when he could not see. So here's what I wanted to do. I thought we go through those times of darkness where we can't see what God is doing. We need to learn to trust him. What do we learn from Zechariah? I've written a few things down for you, and I hope they'll come to you and come to your hearts, and then we'll look at his song just briefly. Lesson number one, it may surprise you, you may say, may say, Pastor Greg, where did you get this in the text? But I'll, I'll try to show it to you. I think number one, if you're walking through a, a period where you're saying, how long, Lord? Or, or why are you allowing these things to happen in our world? Let me tell you this. You can't live the faith if you haven't learned the faith. What do you mean? You can't live by faith if you haven't learned what the faith is. And here I want to just say a word to you about the value of knowing God's word, even in the midst of times when you don't know what he's doing. Look at chapter 1, verse 6. So Elizabeth and Zechariah were both, look at how they're described, righteous before God, walking blamelessly. Oh, don't you want God to say that about you? My longing to uh, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. In other words, you know, they had to know how God would have them to live in order to do that. See, you, you can't live it if you don't know what God wants you to do. And that, that really resonated with me. The reason I thought about this is when I heard Sue's testimony. And after she had had this experience on a, on a projector screen with Jesus, she knew she just intu her intuition was a good one. She knew she had to find out something more about this Jesus who had broken into her life. I mean, how do you make sense out of someone on a cross if you know what the cross is about? 
How do you make sense of saying, I am here, if you don't know if this is a God of love or, or a God of vengeance? I mean, how do you know? You've got to find out. And so she came to church to try to find out about this triune God. And, and I tell you that is one of the most important things because experience alone is as important as that is. Sometimes our experiences and our feelings are pretty untrustworthy. You know, I can have an experience one day and then the next day I'll hardly remember it or I'll wonder, was that real? Especially if it's something like this that falls out of the ordinary. Our feelings ebb and flow. And so what we need to have is a worldview into which to place those kinds of experience so that we can make sense out of this world. And that's what I think we're going to see in almost all of these. We're going to be looking at four songs that, that people wrote when they heard the message that, that God was coming into this world. And three of them knew the scriptures well. So they could understand their experience in light of what they knew from God's word. Young Mary, last week, she drew together, especially Hannah's song and a lot of others, and said, this is what's happening in my life. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to be looking at an old prophet named Simeon. He does the same thing. And here's Zechariah and Elizabeth, people who knew God's word. So that when this happened, they, they could make sense of it. And, and uh, you can even see uh, when he writes his song, verses 66 to, to 69, the first four verses of it, he draws together sections all the way back from, from the creation account, takes it all the way through the prophets, and he says, God, uh, we are going through some tough times in our world, and his people were. They were under the oppression of a foreign government. Uh, but as I read through your word, I see that often your people have gone through times like this. He writes about times when there have been ongoing enemies of God's people. You know, anti-Semitism has always been in our world as long as the Jewish people have been here. We have always experienced this sort of thing. And in the right times, you always showed up. You broke into someone's life. You sent a judge. You sent a prophet. You broke into their lives. And then they came to us and says, God is still here. God knows what he is doing. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth would have known the end of the story too. The book of Isaiah tells us that even though it may not be here right now, God works all things together and at the end of the day, uh, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Amazing. You, you know that prophecy? That a day is going to come where those weapons that are being used now to kill people are going to be turned into plowshares to provide food and nourishment for people. There is going to be a day when those children who sometimes are a part of the disasters that happen in our world will be able to be next to a snake's residence and never be afraid. Zechariah knew that. And so when this experience comes, eventually he was able to apply what he knew to his life. Now it took him nine months of silence. It took him nine months of silence. But he began to understand that there are these times and now this ultimate time was going to come and he was going to be a part of it was God was breaking into the world to proclaim to his people and now even to us. God saying, I am here. I know what I'm doing. I am still God. Trust me. Trust me. And so the, the thing I want to say in this first point is this. One of the most important things you need your church to do, and if you're visiting with us, I hope you will find a church committed to this, and I pray we will be too. One of the most important things you need your church to do and to be is a place where this word will always be opened. Now, now sometimes I'm going to preach a message, and you're going to go away saying, 
That doesn't have any relevance to where I am right now. I can tell you it will someday. It will someday. Take those things, let them go deep, deep down into your heart and into your soul. I am convinced. I think I wrote this for you so you can think about it. I think you can make sense out of our world only when you let God's word provide that worldview that lets you know that those things happening now, that's not the end of the story. You need to have a worldview into which to place both the pain that you experience as well as the joy that is always a part of this world until the kingdom comes in its totality. That's the first lesson. Now, the second, you might think it's the opposite, but they go hand in hand. And the second, Lake Avenue Church people, if you've fallen asleep on me, wake up now. I think we need this more than we need the first lesson. So here's the second lesson. You can learn the faith and still not live it. You can know everything in this book and still, when God breaks in, you don't believe it. So look at what happens. I don't think I can read it as well as Mark did, but still, I'll try. The angel said to Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Zechariah asked, how can I experience this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and he has sent me to tell you this good news and what he says will happen will happen. See, it's, it's a powerful thing. Now, I, I was thinking about this because I always think about my sermons all week and I was having breakfast with Pastor Steve Morgan and as we were talking about this, he reminded me of how Pastor E.V. Hill, any, any of you remember him? He was down in L.A. at L.A.'s Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church. How much I'd love to be able to preach like him. But he used to tell his people in a morning like this, the problem with church people, he would say, is that our I do doesn't live up to our IQ. I always love that. That for so many of us, like Zachariah was, like your pastor is, I mean, we've had so many privileges I mean, we've had churches, and we have small groups, and we've had Sunday school classes, and we've had Christian radio, and we've had Christian television, we've had Christian schools, and you know, we have all of this. Sometimes we know so much about what is in God's Word, and then God breaks into our lives and we say, well, he can't do that. He can't do that. And that's what happened to Zechariah. God broke into his life. It was fully consistent with what God had done at other times in history. And said things that were fully consistent with the prophecies. He knew the story of Sarah being given a child as an older woman. He knew all of that. And yet when God says it's going to happen to you, he'd come to this point in his life. He says, no, that can't happen. Now, I've got to say this too, because so many people, the last couple of services, have asked me. I see a difference in the question that Zechariah asked from the question that Mary asked. Uh, when, when, when the angel broke into Mary's life, she said, how can I have a child? I'm a virgin. Now, I see that as just being an honest question, seeking an honest answer. God always seems to like us to ask him those questions. But, but Zechariah's statement, the very way it is framed, is a statement of, of disbelief. No, 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 that can't happen. Give me a sign. We're too old for this. God, God can do everything. He can't do that. And, and, and Gabriel says, I stand in his presence. I tell you, he can and he will. And you're going to be quiet until he does. It's just really, it's a great, great, it is a great, great thing. So here we are at Lake Avenue Church. 
We pro profess that we believe that our God made heaven and earth, that he is present here, still at work, even when things happen like happened over in San Bernardino, even when the things happen that are happening all over our world. And sometimes it seems to me we are as hopeless and fear-filled as anyone else. God can do anything. And he is here. And he has promised he will work all things for good. God can do anything except be inconsistent with himself. Um, God will not be unjust because God is a God of justice. Do you see that? God will not lie or deceive you because he is a God of truth. But being consistent with who he is, God does the impossible. God can give uh, Mary a child while she is a virgin. God can give uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth a son when they are really, really old. And God can meet Sue on a projector screen in a loud party here in Southern California. And I believe it. And I believe it. See, it is so easy uh, for us to become what I call practical agnostics. I'm going to put this up here. Does that make any sense to you? Agnostic means you're just not sure. Practical agnostics. That means in your practice, the way you and I live our lives, we live with this, well, maybe God isn't really here. So in our heads, we come to church and we sing all the songs and we say we believe certain things, but then in our practice, we continue to live as if God is not with us. He's not working out something. That, that he doesn't know what he's going to do with these difficulties we're going to go through. I, I ask, why, why is it that we're so tempted to be those practical agnostics? And, and I've thought of several reasons. Uh, one, is it possible that we're kind of hoping that God really isn't here all the time because he's going to um, ask us to surrender every part of our lives to him? I mean, if, if God is actually here right now and, and with you wherever you go, there's only one of you who can be God. And, and he does bring about change, and many times we don't want that. We only want to come to God to get God to do what we want him to do, not to have him reach. Am I meddling with you at all? I hope so. I hope so. I, I think that might be a part of it. I've also thought maybe it's this, that sometimes after years of attending church, um, many of us have learned to think, well, we can figure that one out ourselves. Mm -hmm. we, we've, uh, we've had a lot of people in our church. We, you know, we've been leaders and businesses and been to seminary, at Fuller Seminary right across the street, Caltech not far away, we've got engineers. We can work, we can work this thing out, right? And, and we just don't have to fall in dependence upon God and say, Lord, we are hopeless without you. So that when he shows up, we say, thank you. We didn't think we could make it at all. We wouldn't have without. See, I think sometimes we become self-sufficient. Anybody agree with me there? Uh, or the other thing is, I really think, and maybe this is for me, and maybe for Zachariah too, that we get this tendency of thinking uh, that when we learn everything about God, you know, we have God in our brain, his word in our brain, that that is exactly the same as experiencing God Exactly the same as surrendering to God. So that we can come to church, and it's a wonderful thing. Remember my first point. We come to church to be fed. 
spiritually to be fed. I've, I've said that many times. I needed to be fed. I need to, point one. But I'll tell you, simply being fed and getting my head full of stuff isn't the same as living this faith. Sometimes I think we can just have our heads get fat. We, we, we've got to live it. And so that, it seems to me something like this was happening with Zechariah. In his case, he had really, I think, figured out what God cannot do. And what God couldn't do in his life, because he'd prayed about it so long and it had never happened, was to give him and Elizabeth a child. And when I thought of that, it reminded me the first time I met Randy and Edie Nelson, our missionaries. I've told parts of this story before, but the first time I met them was at, the, uh, at a restaurant in Bangkok, Thailand, at the airport. And as we were sitting there eating uh, Thai food, it was really good, uh, even at an airport, uh, eating Thai food, uh, they, I said, tell, us, tell me your story about how you ended up here. And Edie was the one who told us, you know, she was the child of missionaries, and uh, she had met Randy at Cal Poly up in San Luis Obispo. And he wasn't a believer uh, when, when they met, and, but he fell in love with Edie. And eventually, of course, she wasn't going to have anything to do with him unless he became a believer, so he became a believer. And I think that's a, one motivation uh, to, to go there. But uh, afterwards, he wanted to marry her. And she said, no, 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 I'm not going to get married because I'm going to be a missionary. You have to be a missionary. And he said, well, I'll, I'll, that's where I'm going to go too. <laughs> so be, being a relatively new believer, there wasn't every missionary agency that w- would take them in. So finally they went to one and the mission agency, I may get this story wrong when they come back, they'll probably correct me, but this is my memory of the story. Um, and he said they gave them two options. And, and the missionary uh, representative said, but really one of them is too hard. I mean... This is the one you don't want. It was sort of this uh, nomadic Stone Age kind of like people that wandered uh, Kenya and Tanzania. And they said, you know, uh, uh, nobody can even find them. And uh, when, when sometimes when people do find them, they don't want any outside voices or influence to come in at all. And we've sent some of our most seasoned and best missionaries there and they just got burned out. So that's not where you want to go. And Randy said, that's for me. I'm in. <laughs> and Edie said, I said, why was that? He said, because Randy wanted people to know that the God we believe in really is God. And that he can use the weakest of people to go into the most difficult of places and do things to his glory. I remember laughing and thinking, you know, Randy hasn't been to church enough to figure out what God can't do. And, 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 you, and you may know the story that they went and after 14 years almost the entire tribe has come to faith in Jesus and they've been discipled and they send, in, send out missionaries to other people groups. It's a tremendous story to the power and the grace of God. I don't think Randy and Edie have yet learned what God can't do. And they told me if some of your people here don't believe that God can do anything, send them over here and we'll let them see that he can. Have you learned what God can't do in your life? Have there been things that as you see the news, you say, ah, the evil is greater than God is? Things in your own life, you've prayed about it for a long time, and you see the promises in the Bible, you've almost given up. I am praying so much today that this would be a time of a fresh rededication of your life to surrender your emotions and your heart and your life to Him. That you'll tell Him that you'll trust Him, even if you don't see, that you'll obey Him, 
even if right now you can't make any sense out of it. And that is his representative where our whole world is feeling like that. What's going on here? That you will go as a child of the light and say, I found someone who is trustworthy and who can make a difference in your life. Whatever we face is not greater than God. Wherever we go is not separate from his presence. And I want us to have our um, IQ move into our I do. <laughs> Last point. I've, oh, my. 11 o'clock, I think I get, I, you get more stuff, but you also stay longer. Let me go really quickly. Number three. This is so beautiful. You can be made low and still be lifted up again. I want you to go out of here knowing the power of God's grace. So this same Zechariah who didn't believe and had his mouth shut, look at verse 64, his mouth was opened, his tongue was set free, and now he began to speak, and he spoke praising God. So if you look at verses 57 to 66, these, these old parents bring their new son into this huge event in their culture where they would uh, circumcise uh, and, and dedicate and name the child. And you've got to remember that this was a gathering kind of like us. And these people had already seen a miracle, right? I mean, they had seen that an old woman could have a baby. That, that's pretty amazing. So they knew that miracles happen. And I'm sure that they'd heard this story that Gabriel had had an, uh, I mean, that Gabriel the angel had visited Zechariah. So they'd heard all of that. And yet the, it still seemed like they were going to say, we've got to keep living the way we always have. Things aren't going to be all that much different because it's always the way we've done it. And when Elizabeth says, uh, his name's going to be John. They said, no, that's not the way we do it around here. His name has to be Zach Jr. That's what they said. That's what they said. Um, in fact, look at verses 61 and 62. They said to Elizabeth, wait a minute, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. I just can picture this. Then they ran over to the father to find out, hey, you know what's happening? This is a scandal. What do you think the name should be of this child? Because, you know, what she's doing, that's not the way we do things around here. A phrase which we never hear at Lake Avenue Church. Just to let you know. So, Zechariah took out that writing tablet. And however you write that thing in Aramaic, he simply writes out, his name is John. And immediately another miracle happens. His tongue is loosened. And God uses him again to praise his name. Here's some good news. A man who was absolutely faithless was given another chance by God. Anybody happy about that? The, the one that God had made silent because he deserved it, because of his unbelief, was set free to speak again. I just got to tell you, if you don't know the Bible very well, Zechariah is just one of many, many stories of God doing this with person after person after person. That when we come to God, even if we have failed in repentance and a new faith, He is ready to welcome us, and not just to welcome us and cleanse us, but also to use us again. Amen. Maybe you've come to church and you feel like you've really failed, and you wonder, is there ever any hope for me? I'm telling you, there really is hope for you if you will come back to Him and say, here is my life. Uh, God says, I know. I love you with an everlasting love. 
I will cleanse your sins. I will give you a new beginning. Maybe you'll say even there's still some marks of the sins that have happened and the things that I've done. Listen, the God that we believe in turns the marks of our sins into memorials of his grace. Uh, People see someone like uh, an Apostle Paul and say, Ah, there's hope for somebody like that. There's hope for anybody. And there is. There is no person in this world who is God forsaken. But when we humble ourselves and come in faith, he receives us and uses us again. And in fact, one of the things I love the most is that when his mouth was open and he sang praise, it didn't just give him a new beginning, it gave his whole community a new beginning. I mean, not everybody in that community had had these kind of personal encounters with God. I don't know if Zechariah ever had them. They didn't happen that often in the history of Israel. But when they did, it was always that clear statement of God saying, never forget that I am who I am and I am here with you. And the whole community is to hear and resurrender our lives to Christ. And so Sue gives her testimony here today. And I believe it. And it's almost like uh, on one side, as Sue said, she needed to come to a church so that she could learn about this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who had you know, broken into her life. So, Sue, yes, you need us. But I'm telling you, I need you too. It is like a message to an old pastor saying, those things that you study and those things that you preach about, they are true. And pass them on to your people. So that all of us might praise him. And so he does. He breaks out into this song. As I said, the first four verses, he just recounts all these things. This is the way God's worked in the past. When the times were just dark and awful, God has found some way to break into someone's life and and say the light of the world is still here. Things are not over. And in fact, all of it had pointed toward the light of the world coming in. And he said, look at this. That's what's happening now. I get to be a part of it. And especially as a part of his song, if you look at verse 76, he said, my son really gets to be a part of it because the scriptures had said a forerunner for the Messiah is going to come. And he sings, you, my son, will be a prophet of the most high. You will prepare the way for the Lord. Is that a proud father singing a song? I'm telling you, it is. I'd I'd be singing that. But uh, the rest of the song, um, as it should be, was not about his son, but about Jesus. Uh, I've just written it down so you can look at it and rejoice with the song with him. He, he sings in verse 68, in the coming of this Messiah, the price to free us will be paid. He has come, as Lauren sang, and redeemed his people. And if you say, but the problems in our world are too big. This was before God knew about ISIS and all this kind of things. He says, sufficient power to save us has come. Verse 69, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Uh, For the Jewish people, the horn was significant, the symbol of the brute power of an animal. And he says, there is nothing in this world greater than the God who made this world. And then one of the most beautiful parts, personally, verse 77, forgiveness of sins will be made available. He comes to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Just let that wash over you. That's why Jesus came. Because, you know, Jesus didn't come just to visit the world to say, let me find out how they're doing. 
He already knew how we were doing. We'd messed up. We were in trouble, not ready to meet God. He came to rescue us, to offer us forgiveness and a new life. And in some of the most beautiful verses about the coming of Jesus that are almost never sung about to be found in the entire Bible, you look at verses 78 and 79, look up at them with me. The Lord will give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because, look at this, of the tender mercy of our God. Into a dying world, the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, and then to guide our feet into the path of peace. Oh, hallelujah, what a song! Zechariah and the people of his day were singing the same thing that our world is singing. Why is there so much evil in the world? Why do the bad guys always seem to get ahead? God, things don't seem to be getting better. They, get, they seem to be worse and worse. And that's exactly what I'm finding being written in the papers and, and proclaimed on the media. The New York Times and Washington Post pointing out how bad things are getting to be. 355 Mass shootings in the United States just in this year, more than one per day. Is that really true? Can you believe the newspaper? There have been a lot of them, more than ever in history. And so there's been this sense of hopelessness. We sense the politicians have no idea what to do. You've got to step in there and speak really loud, Mr. President, so that everybody can have peace and not be afraid. But I'm telling you, there are things that go beyond human power. But there is a power far greater than any of the evil in our world. He has already come into this world. And there is something from his word that we know. He is going to return again. And when he comes, the light will come in all of its brightness. And everything will be made right. Uh, Justice is going to reign. A kingdom of peace is going to proliferate in our world. Evil will be dealt with. Goodness will prevail. Do you believe it? Until that time comes. We may have to wait a while, just as Zechariah and the others did. But until those times comes, God has given us a role. Our role is to wait upon Him in faith and obedience. Our role is to pray, especially for those who are in distress because of the evil of our world. And our role is to carry good news. Both the love of Jesus out into a world that is hurting and the message of Jesus. So that when, when, when death is in the equation, we say, listen to us. Death itself has been overcome. The light of the world has come. He experienced it and defeated it through his resurrection. We have to believe that and we have to let other people know. You and I cannot live in fear. We can't think, as I heard someone say, I'm not even going to go to the mall. Because God has to send us there. And if something happens there, He is greater than that. Nothing can take away from you what God has given to you. Eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. But our world needs somehow to have a representative come and actually live in confidence and assurance that the message that we believe is true. That there is no God-forsaken place in this world. 
There is no evil greater than our God is. And he has planted us into this neighborhood and in this world to live in the light of that. And to make it known to our world. And sometimes when you and I begin to doubt, he will send an angel to a Zechariah to go and say, I am here and I'm still at work. And sometimes he will send so unexpectedly Jesus to visit Su Jang in a, a birthday party with loud blaring music, dancing in front of a big projector to say, I know you. And I am here, and I love you. And I'm going to send you to Lake Avenue Church to tell those people that what they preach and believe is true, and it is real. And I'm thankful. So I want to send you with that wonderful, wonderful thought that Zechariah ended his song with. God is still the God of tender mercy, by which the rising sun will come to us, on all of us, living in darkness and in the shadow of death. We need light. We are the children of the light. He reigns within us and he sends us out to bring light in the world and to guide our feet into the path of peace. Amen. It is true. And it will be complete to his glory. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.